Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know, and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get in the Garage. I'm your host, Mike. With me, as always, Mr. Jeff and Mr. Luke. What's up, guys? Hey. Hi. Hello, I'm Jeffrey May. Hello. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jeffrey May. Uh, this week, if you can't guess by that little uh, that little bit there, we are going to cover uh, the man, the boy with no name, the man in black, son of a boy named Sue. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. J.R. Cash, have J- some respect. Yeah, J.R. Cash, really. Um, yeah, I mean, Luke was on Jeff's podcast, what, the last, the, the episode before last, excuse yeah. me. Uh, yep. And we were, you were getting into, uh, well, I can't remember what the question was. Was it like the early childhood memories of music for you? Was that no. it? You talked about- it was what he wanted to play before, right before he died. Oh, I thought you wanted Detroit Rock City. I mean, that's at my funeral, guys. Let's go. <laughs> that's um, for us to listen to. Yeah, that's for you guys to, to sit with. To pour uh, one out. <laughs> yeah, so we want to talk about, I mean, Johnny Cash, for me, is, uh, a, like, for me, he always kind of stands like, um, like a Paul Bunyan of, like, not even just music, of, like, America. Yeah. Like, he's on that kind of, like, mythical <clears throat> status, um, you know, like, like, you know, you have like figures like like Daniel Webster. I feel like Johnny Cash is going to be that one because um, there's a lot of folklore uh, around him. And, and also going back to Johnny Cash, the woman he married second, but for the rest of his life, June Carter, her family uh, roots back to uh, the roots of folk music in America around the turn of the century uh, yeah. in the, the lineage of the Carter family on country music and folk music and American music is one of the biggest pillars that stands. So he uh, also is reflective of that. So I think he's a very interesting person to talk about. Yeah. Agreed, uh, man. He He's kind of like, I think when you think of like the rock and roll kind of music, so stuff in the mid-50s to mid-60s, he's kind of like a figure that uh, some people sometimes forget to mention, but he is like one of the iconic figures in American music. And like, like Elvis, Johnny Cash, and Bob Dylan, I would say, are all like in the same decade, like the same breath. Yeah, and and in that breath too, what Jeff is also alluding to, Johnny Cash, his uh, lyrics were profoundly different from oh yeah anybody at Sun Records, mm-hmm. anybody making really music at the time. Um, he stood and throughout like his whole career, wrote music about the poor, wrote uh, music about the disenfranchised. 
uh, and wrote music about people on the outskirts of society. Um, and that is also why I wanted to talk about him because lyrically he's different from every single country musician, every single rock musician at the time. Um, and in the nineties, he was profoundly different again. Um, so it's just so interesting to me. And, uh, one of the, like most, I just love him because he's an artist that kept growing and did it till he, to the moment he died, which I appreciate because you get to see that statement as well. It's a, mm. it's a gr- great life, great life. Yeah. And, and he, he does typify that the, uh, silent generation. So the generation that was right at, right before the onset of the great depression up through the end of world war two, right before the baby boomer, boomer generation, Johnny Cash was born three years into the great depression. And yeah, he came from the most humble beginnings and he really sang for poor impoverished America. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, let's get started. Like with, he was born in Arkansas on, um, a share crop, right? Is that what that was called? I think yeah. it was, yeah, it was like his, he was, his father was part of the, that like thing that was put into law where they were like giving people, like they were parceling out acreage of land and his, and they would give you like whatever, I think it was like 20 acres of land or something like that. And yeah, his you, father was one of the people who got like selected out of the limited few that were selected for that. Um, yeah. So that would be like a New Deal kind of farmer uh, from Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah, I, I think they brought. Yeah, and they were. They were. I think. I think it was a cotton farm. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Definitely was a cotton farm. Um. If you also early Sun Records song, uh, Five Feet High and Rising, uh, references the uh, a great flood that came through that Johnny Cash witnessed when he was a child growing mm-hmm. up on that farm. Um, and so probably the most important thing that happens in Johnny Cash's life also happens on the farm and also when he was very young, uh, which would be like the death of his brother. Mm. Um, so grows up in this kind of impoverished farm, uh, not making a lot of money, um, floods, uh, kind of biblical childhood. And then uh, his brother uh, is killed one day in a sawmill accident. Um, and that's pretty much the antithesis of his whole kind of life really right and yeah i think i think he was i think he was 12 at the time and his brother was like 14 or 15 right and they were they were working on the farm from the time that they could get out and work so they were probably out there working all day five six years old yeah and um again linking a song to this um a lot of people say the song i still miss someone um even though it's played out like a love song johnny cash played it at Folsom prison he played a lot throughout his whole career, um, and it was kind of strange for a song like that. A lot of people allude that that might be about his brother, um, you know, losing his life. And as horrible as that is, his brother, after the accident, lived for a week. So it was a tragedy upon tragedy, um, and it was pretty hard times back then. But um, so after that, Oh, we should also note, yeah, that Johnny Cash was also born J.R. Cash without really a name. So yeah. that is also another kind of interesting yeah, yeah. thing about him at his, this time. His parents, his mom wanted him to be named John. His dad wanted him to be Ray, named after himself. And, like, they just couldn't agree. <laughs> so like, so that, just... shows where, that shows where his family life was like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also, if you want to talk about early childhood, too. I, I had heard an interview with him where he talks about it and he's like, our father never hugged me. Like, his, do you know what I mean? So Wrong like, kid, dad. Yeah, basically, I mean. Yeah, the Dewey Cox movie as like, <laughs> as, I mean, I really do enjoy that movie, but 
they really did get his father somewhat right in that <laughs> because that was really the the whole statement, the antithesis of it. Yeah. Um. So also, you know, at this time too, we have Johnny Cash being a young boy. We also have the time of like the um like the radio stations that would broadcast from literally like from Texas all the way to New York City. Um. So Johnny Cash is getting a mixture of gospel. Um. He's also getting a mixture of raw blues. Uh. Music. As being created at the time, uh, folk, the Carter family playing on the radio. Um, so the woman who he will later marry, he is beginning to listen to this lineage um, at its inception almost in the 30s over the radio on radio shows. So that is like steeping in his, in his, uh, you know, in his soul kind of. And I think the music uh, is, you know, like for many of us and me included was a, uh, a solace that he, you know, took and, you know, even like gospel songs. Um, I, you know, it's a way to find religion and, you know, at any time, like you could turn the radio on, you know, at, late at night and there might be a gospel show on, which is, you know what I mean? It might be what you need at that moment. And Johnny Cash definitely, I think, took from that, you know? Yeah. And the Carter family in particular was the first vocal based country group to be highly charted with every single that they put out. So he was listening to like his 12 year old, 13 year old future wife whose family was like the biggest thing on the radio. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. That's how it ends up working out. Um, So after a rough childhood, Johnny Cash pretty much doesn't do much. I think he moves and gets like a factory job, but ends up. um, Yeah. He hitchhikes to Michigan. Yeah. And, but he ends up joining uh, the military and then going to Germany around 1950. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Force, and baby. he he also was he like deciphered code for like from like from you know Russian code or whatever you know like he was uh one of those types of people. Which he was pretty... supposedly the first Westerner to know the news that Joseph Stalin had died because he intercepted a message coming into Germany and he decoded it. No, supposedly way. I don't you know not his first brush with power. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, but yeah, so this is also where he sees the movie Inside the Walls of Folsom, uh, which is a documentary about the prison, um, and where he also gets the idea to write Folsom Prison Blues, which will be a single on Sun Records. Um, I kind of I feel like that film was something that would influence literally his entire career. Like the whole, his whole angle, the outlaw, the outcast, the downtrodden, the prisoner, the, the like all of that, I think, kind of like molded into his persona as well even from just even from just witnessing the film you know i mean i'm respect the speculation obviously but like it feels that way yeah i think on a deeper level it's almost anybody who's been uh like knocked knocked down but it's like almost like been disenfranchised but isn't you know it's not it doesn't have to define them Mm. right because he was poor but that didn't have to define him you know what i'm saying yeah and then even further like you know the prisoners were poor you know disenfranchised and poor and those are kind of like people he probably knew you know what i mean yeah and yeah yeah i feel like he could relate to stuff like that but furthermore when we get back he's in the military does all that stuff comes back and basically is a struggling songwriter because he does a door-to-door salesman but is playing on his porch trying to hustle songs yeah and it's kind of in his bones since that you know what i mean he begins to write songs when he's in the air force um so he moves to Memphis really to get into the music scene because that's where Sun Records is. Mm-hmm. 
and and also it's important to say at this point he is married, right? He he marries his who, first wife, Vivian, Vivian Cash. Yes, yeah. when he was like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, married very young before he was in the Air Force, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Or they were like they were planning, you know. It was, it all happened in one sort of motion, I'm guessing. But the way I see it is, I think he moved to Memphis to scheme in the Sun Records. Um, he was, I think, probably obsessed with it. Um, yeah. So he goes in, gets an audition, um, and they tell him no gospel, which is all he really wants to do. And he's like, "Oh, okay." Um, <laughs> so he comes back and he he gives them. Um, I think it's "Cry, Cry, Cry," um, and the other song is. Oh, what is it? Um, Porter. Mr. Porter. Oh, hey Porter. Hey Porter. Hey Porter. Yeah. Hey Porter's nervous singer. I think "Cry, Cry, Cry" might be the first one that charts, but um, I think uh, yeah, "Hey Porter." Oh, "Hey Porter." I think is the first song he plays for him though, um, which is uh, of someone returning back to the South after military service. Um, great song, railroad song. Yeah. Uh, and also in that moment, I think uh, Sam Phillips hears uh, one that Johnny Cash is a songwriter which is pretty great for that time period because not, not a lot of people are writing their own songs. Elvis wasn't. Um, so then you have that factor, and then on top of that, you get the boom, chicka-boom, chicka-boom, chicka-boom. Hey, Porter. Hey, Porter. He does, yeah. the, ra- he does the railroad, the boom, chicka-boom. That's, mm-hmm. pretty, that's a Johnny Cash staple. I think he brought that into, um, I think, the rock and roll lexicon um, mainly. I, I'm sure he wasn't the first one to do a railroad boom, chicka-boom beat, but he really brought that out in most of his songs and really kind of laid the foundation on it and kind of made it into the rockabilly uh, DNA from there, you know? And I'd like to add, too, dude, Luther Perkins, man, coming in on lead guitar, like, that is, that's the set, that's like the country music sound. They're, like, in other words, I mean, maybe it's a stretch to say, but there's a reason why Brad Paisley plays a Telecaster. And chances are, the reason why he plays a Telecaster is because of Luther Perkins, man. Because that's like that bright, telly, slapping, dum 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 behind everything, you know? And even his leads and stuff, too. Like, so he, he, I think he made a major contribution to, like, the, the, the electric country guitar player. Right. And that, that was even, that was a Fender Esquire, which was like a precursor to the Telecaster. Oh, right, right, right. So it was, it was even like hotter sounding, one single pickup. Yeah. Um, also, of note, bass player, longtime bass player for Johnny Cash, Marshall Grant. Uh, those early Sun Records recordings, there was no drummer, but you no. can't tell because there's the slapback echo on the lead guitar. There's the of the acoustic guitar, and then the bass he was digging in so much, he's like slapping the slapping the fretboard, the neck in between, so it has his like. Because um, yeah. I listen to that stuff today, and you you can't tell it sounds like a drummer is playing. It also, sounds like somebody's playing with brushes. You know what I mean? Right. It's like that kind of vibe. Yeah. You know why Johnny Cash was in particular? His son single sound like that. He stuck a dollar bill in his fretboard, mm. so when he's playing, he's going on on um like a dollar bill woven in between the strings. Yeah. So he's just getting, percussion. Yeah. So he's getting even more of that sound. Um, yeah, man. Luther I, Perkins. Like, let's let's be real. For me. There's two guitarists who who like embody American guitar, electric guitar, um, and Luther Perkins is one. The other is Steve Cropper from the Stax Record stuff, and both of those guys played Fender Esquires and then later Telecasters. So just that sound is so American. 
Yeah. Yeah. And those uh, two players uh, known as the Tennessee two uh, were with Johnny Cash literally like until they died. Like they played with him forever. Yeah. They yeah. Not, Perkins they did died not in 68. But yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, but Marshall Grant, even after that, would continue to play the, with them. 1980 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, which is pretty awesome. So, but, uh, so great early Sun songs. Um, we talked about uh, Folsom Prison Blues being uh, pretty profound. Um, for one, being a prison song. And two, for the lyric, uh, shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, which is probably the, nas- <laughs> the, the nastiest thing you could ever write, like, at the time. And even still, it's, it still stings. It's like, still, yeah, it's still a little <laughs> shocking when you hear it, like, for the first time. Yeah, it's probably, like, when you're like, cold, oh. It's some cold shit. It's yeah. some cold shit. It's some Cain and Abel stuff. And I think, too, especially with Johnny Cash, like, his, the like, the, the rhythm to the way that he sang, his word placement and also his tone of voice is so like gunslinger, like wild, wild westy, like because he has this sort of timber to his voice. So when you hear his kind of like warbly kind of direct voice, and he's and he's just telling you that, like you said, he shot a man, you know, just to watch him die. You're like, Jesus, and the, this guy I might kill me. The <laughs> other, the other great part of like writing in that song is also the. Uh, the the what tortures the, him the most is the people just moving by with their lives. Yeah, like that line is so like, that and he goes is, down to and that's what tortures me. Like, yeah, it's, it's like line. it's like it's not that I'm in prison. It's not that I have to like eat, you know be here and like it's it's hard work or whatever. It's not mm. any of that. It's like seeing those people that and that kind of writing is like so, oof, it's so ahead of its time. It's so it's it's timeless, really, right? It's like yeah. it kind of hits you on that like nerve that like I don't know to like core kind of thing, and that's yeah. what it sets me apart from everybody else at Sun Records at the time. Yeah, like just, Elvis wasn't laying on heavy stuff like that. No, like Roy Orbison singing like it's cool, but he's singing like Ooby Dooby, like what you know what I mean? It's nothing. Yeah. And then, uh, I, you know, the other songwriter at Sun would be Carl Perkins wrote uh blue suede shoes and those are some great songs so kudos to him but you know what i'm saying that's why it stands out to me more it's more profound it's not a whole lot of shaking going on Mm -hmm. um and so we have like songs like that uh jeff shout out hey porter cry 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 another one i'd like to uh shout out from the early sun singles is uh uh big river um that song is bassy it's swampy like way like 15 years before credence um, also the lyrics to that are super moody and grungy uh, he taught the weeping willow how to cry he taught the clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky um, it's pretty dope and I just really uh, want to shout that one out but what do you guys think about early sun stuff do you have any uh, shout out favorites Um, I don't know man the thing is with me was like I have I have the two, or no, I think I have the one son. Uh, remember, it was that pressing we found at that flea market that one time? It's Johnny. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the name of the album? Yeah, Johnny Cash with his oh hot blue guitar. Also with his the, hot blue guitar. Also, the first record ever released by Sun Records, the first long player ever released, is Johnny Cash's Johnny Cash and his hot blue guitar. So that's also of note because they invested money in him to release an album. So that was pretty profound. I like Get Rhythm, just because, like, that's, like, the closest he ever got to doing something Elvis 
ish. Yeah, no, 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 I dig that too, man. That's a a great song and great lyric too. Like great, like early, like. I love that. And just I I just enjoy the sound recordings because I like how understated and how clean they sound. Because they mm-hmm. they don't sound like they were recorded in fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven. Air, uh, they sound like they were recorded mid sixties because the clarity is it's it's just very crisp and maybe that's from just a lack of drums clogging up the sound and just the simplicity of the three guys just doing their thing. Uh, but yeah, I I love those out those records. Yeah, the early stuff, yeah, especially the, like you said, like just the sound of it. I mean, I song wise i do i have i know it was the, it's like his single you know but it's like cry 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 is an amazing song man yeah. even i walked the line even even though he completely ended up contradicting himself in terms of walking the line which was basically a love song to his first wife vivian about how like you know he's gonna walk the straight and narrow for her and like, not and not cheat on her and he's just like uh, i mean it's june carter i mean you get yeah. it right like you understand so <laughs> Also, at this time, you know, he starts having early hits too. So he gets on like things like the uh, Louisiana Hayride, um, a very famous um, touring uh, country music. Uh, what do I want to say? Like, co- yeah, concert tour. So if you were like an early country guy, early rock and roller, you got on the Louisiana Hayride. If you had a hit, you toured the South, you would get your regional hits, and then from onward and upward. Um, at that time on Louisiana Hayride, where Louisiana Hayride is where he met um, June Carter and all those, um, you know, and that's where that would kind of intertwine them to to start. Also, because the Carter family would play the Louisiana Hayride, um, which her family performed in. I mean, I I personally, if I listen to Johnny Cash, I only listen to the Sun Record stuff and then the two Prison Live albums. I agree with Jeffrey. That's pretty much what I um, but, you know, like he did the Sun singles and then he did the one Sun long album, the Johnny Cash and his hot and blue guitar. And then he gets signed by Columbia, like the biggest record label or one one of the biggest, one of the big three or four at the time. And now he has a huge budget and he can do songs with string arrangements and multiple backing singers and all that kind of stuff. So he just gets into a more of a like populist commercial phase of his of his songwriting and his his popularity uh, also goes, goes hard to gospel like for the mm. for he releases two the two records he gives them a secular record and a gospel record so he also was like yeah i want to do gospel and columbia's like yeah whatever man yeah. <laughs> so th- they also let him do that which was a big reason for him siding with them to begin with yeah because sam phillips was like hard no on him doing gospel yeah sam phillips is a rock and roller but also he let go of every great artist he ever had so there's also that yeah he was like the farm system for every great rock and roller absolutely absolutely um and Um, also shortly after he changes record labels the uh tennessee two is back in band expands to be the tennessee three taken in drummer ws holland who then stayed with Johnny Cash for like, you know, 20 years or something. Which is pretty crazy, mm. in the, especially in that time, thinking of a band staying together that long. Oh, and, um, and W.S. Holland, uh, he joined the band like four or five years into, their, into Johnny Cash's career. But W.S. Holland was the drummer on Carl Perkins' original version of Blue Suede Shoes for Sun Records. Yeah. So I assume that they were like friends and doing the whole, the circuit together and just 
when Johnny Cash was like, you know what, we got to get things rocking a little bit more with the drummer. And he just knew the guy. Yeah. Um, and at the time, like you're saying, his sound uh, expands. He does um, some concept albums, uh, one of them being uh, around um, the legend of John Henry's Hammer and like work songs. Um, he does one uh, for Native Americans that has a pretty horrible cover. But um, at that, he was pretty um, pretty large advocate of for Native Americans, and he did a lot of projects with them. I think a lot of fundraisers as well. Um, also helped popularize the song on that album, The Ballad of Ira Hayes, um, later played by Bob Dylan um, pretty frequently, especially on the um, – uh, what tour is that that I can't think of right now where he wore the white face makeup? Um, oh, those, 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 those like medicine, sort of like the old medicine show or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, man, I can't think of it, but that it's on that tour. Um, yeah. he played that song quite a bit, and uh, you know, from learned it from Johnny Cash. But um, so he would make these like concept albums, and really they were doing okay, but um, they weren't doing great. Um, and he's and, also putting out like two two full albums a year, basically. Yeah, so insane out the early sixties. And, and at this time too, Sun is also still issuing albums from just like sessions that johnny cash had done that were like left on the country room floor up until like 1965 so the market is flooded johnny cash is torn like crazy yeah that that album bitter tears <laughs> jeff shows us the album cover um yeah i he did you know he actually got adopted by a native american tribe and was given his own indian name oh really did yeah it? Yeah, um, I read. I'm not that. gonna. I'm not gonna try to guess what it was. It was no. hot water. I don't know what it was, but um, he he did something, and uh, the, he ended up getting adopted by a tribe for um, I hmm. think like helping them, and uh, maybe he was advocating. But um, so that was pretty interesting, and that went along with that album. So I was like, it was interesting to learn that kind of history. It's he he. I don't know if he's one of those people, but it was like, my he was like my grandparents told me I had you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but. Let's not forget at this time, early 60s, mid 60s, this is Johnny Cash like working himself to death, putting out two or three albums a year, like taking amphetamines and drinking all day. And oh, yeah. Yeah. You have so, to add that little bit. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's also. Don't forget about the amphetamines yeah. and barbiturates. <laughs> let's also talk about the best part of the Dewey Cox movie. Uh, Johnny Cash <laughs> did a ton of drugs. Um, so starting on. And he never paid for them. Not <laughs> once. Not once. <laughs> Um, yeah, so starting about like the time of the Hayride tours, uh, Johnny Cash started taking uh, uppers and downers. So More of a slow uh, ride than a hayride. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uppers to stay awake, downers to come down. Um, and he was a profound alcoholic at this time. Uh, by 1965, uh, he was living in a, uh, I think it was a two-bedroom apartment with Wailing Jennings in, um, was it Wailing Jennings? Yeah, I think it was Waylon Jennings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Waylon Jennings in uh, Nashville. Um, so Johnny Cash was not doing well. He was kicked out, divorced from his wife, uh, getting divorced from his wife, uh, living with Waylon Jennings, and they were pretty much just uh, junkies. Um, Yikes! Yeah, and it really is um, June Carter who kind of brings him back into the fold of life. Um, she kind of takes him, and uh, I think they they make an album around that time. Uh, carrying on, carrying on. Um, it's got some great songs on it also around this time too Johnny Cash is getting interested in uh, the music of Bob Dylan and uh, like all the new folk writers um, so that's happening too and 
he starts to get like another change. So not only is he getting interest in that, uh, June Carter is taking him. He sobers up for a year. Um, and I think he, um, around that time, realizes that he needs to make a change. And for him, the comeback would be his prison albums, um, which are, you know, really his probably his best work, in my opinion. Um, and what I would go to to listen to Johnny Cash first. It's usually my first listen to is mm-hmm. Folsom. It's the first thing I want to hear. Um, I was going to say, what's your what's your go-to prison? Because I'm a San Quentin kind of guy. Um, I like uh, Folsom because I feel like it's more organic. Uh, it, was one of the, it wasn't the first time he had played a prison, but it was the first time recorded like that, and it was a big deal. I think by the time you get to Sam Quentin, um, for me, I can kind of see that it was more like a media deal and not so intimate. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's why I always go for Folsom because Folsom also has a, a Greystone Chapel written by one of the inmates there. So that it just makes it a whole different experience. I like, I like Folsom more than Sam Quentin uh, just because it was Luther Perkins playing guitar and then he died a couple months after in his house when he like fell asleep with a lit cigarette. So um, when they record Sam Quentin like six months after Luther Perkins died – they had their new guitarist Bob Wooten, who his he's a great guitar player, but you can just hear he digs in more and he plays a little bit more rock and roll. And I really like the very understated playing of Luther Perkins more. Yeah, no, I agree. Also on um, uh, Saint Quentin, I like it Saint Quentin for a different reason. I think Saint Quentin has uh, is more interesting because of the song choices, like a, a different kind of interesting. Yeah, they, they're both they're both great. So don't choose one; just listen to both. Yeah, they're both equally great. Uh, and listen Quentin. to the Legacy Edition, which has all of tracks, all of the spoken intros. It has all the rehearsal tracks. Yeah. You know, listen to those versions on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Absolutely. Um, Say Quentin also noted for the Shell Silverstein song, Boy Named Sue, which is profoundly funny and at the same time uh, somewhat autobiographical kind of for him. It's not really, but <laughs> it has a lot to do with, I feel like, how he felt. Um, and very interesting that this song is written by Shel Silverstein. Um, Johnny Cash's biggest hit. It was number two. Yeah. At, which is behind uh, a Rolling Stones song. It might have been like Honky Tonk Women or something. I love it. It's a great song. But um, back to Folsom. So basically nobody thought at the record company thought Folsom was going to be a hit. Um, but it was. Uh, and it, it connects with people. It still connects with people. Um, why do you guys think it was such a big album? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember, like, is that the first, is this before, it's gotta, it had to have been, was it before, like, Cook County Jail? Um, around the same. Was it before, around... you know what I'm trying to say? I'm just trying to think of who was, who was the first one to play the jail? Like, uh, was it Johnny Cash or was it B.B. King? Johnny Cash had been playing jails uh, since the early 60s, but um, if you're referencing uh, Cook County Jail, that would be around the same time period Johnny Cash would play Folsom. Right, right, right. Yeah, I have to check that out. Well, sorry, guys. Oh no, you're good. Yeah, Folsom was sixty-eight, and then Sam Quentin was sixty-nine. Yeah. Hmm. I but... like those shows too because they both feature uh, other people that were important in his life, like the Carter family and June Carter, get on and do some backing vocals and duets and their own tracks, like before he plays. Carl Perkins, the guy who did the first Blue Suede Shoes, he's the opening act. So he does a song or two before each show and he plays electric guitar on a number of songs too. Absolutely. Oh, and yeah. It, uh, and it's just part, great, yeah. man. It's, it's just like, 
it's it's such an on it's such an honest live experience those two shows because he's like forgetting forgetting lyrics and laughing about it he's letting the crowd interrupt him and he's like what do you say sorry i couldn't hear you i was trying to talk and and it's just like it's it's so honest that it's it's the best man like i if i had to choose anything to listen to for jay cash it'd be those two prison shows yeah a Folsom great too because he as the album i mean it plays different on vinyl if you have the vinyl version it's cut up but um as the whole show progresses, like if you listen to the whole thing, he's like getting, trying to get the crowd more antagonized. Yeah. Uh, um, when, they, when they call reception for that guy and he goes, yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. Like that <laughs> stuff. Um, also, he's mocking, he mocks the water conditions right. in there. He's like, the last time I was here, this water looked like shit. looked like something that ran off of somebody's boots. What like are you I drinking there, it. boys? You drinking iced tea in those cups? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, he says, "Do you always serve everything in uh, steel cups?" <laughs> yeah. When they hand him a steel cup, oh my god! I mean, what a line to say. And the They're crowd, all- man, the crowd is the other instrument because at least half the songs are outlaw, like "Lock Me Up" kind of songs. So they're hooting and hollering and screaming, like when he sings these lines about doing cocaine or you know striking his woman down or killing another man, and everybody's screaming out. Yeah, mm. it's it's amazing. And Twenty five that- minutes left to live, like that oh, my- is so great. Such a yeah. great song. He's singing about getting hung into prisoners, yeah. and they're taking it and they're appreciating the black yeah. humor of it. Um, it's so yeah, I love that so or much. What's the one? Uh, it's like broke. It's a, it's about like being broke. What's that one called? Oh, busted. Busted. Yeah. Yeah, he does like comedic songs yeah, on yeah. there. He uh, had such a good sense of humor, man. Yeah, absolutely, and. And they all take it because they're like, well, how can you, you know what I mean? How can you bring them down anymore? They're just laughing about it, you mm-hmm. know? And they're all together having a really human moment. Um, also, another great thing in there is June Carter um, saying, I'm singing with my mouth. Uh, my eyes are, my mouth's up here. Like that line. Mm-hmm. And she also says it's good to be back in Folsom, like in front of all the inmates. And she's being like really racy. And they're all like, yeah, Ooh. Yeah. you know what I mean? Um so like that always makes me laugh a ton too. Oh, and this this was just you know this was two years a year year or two after he cleaned up, um, or you will say cleaned up in quotes because who knows how cleaned up he was, but cleaned up compared really, to how he was. Yeah, a um, little cleaner. But like his mean old man was there in attendance at the shows. Ray Cash, he was there, and the you know the Carter family was performing with them, so his mother in law is there. So it was like a big family affair too, and it, yeah. and his sisters in law. You know, yeah, Jeff's right, and it also brought that album. It probably resonated with a lot of people too, because it also, like Jeff is saying, brought like the whole roots of like country music and American music into a, a, like its whole thing. And for that matter, too, country music has always kind of been aimed at um, the working man, I guess, mm-hmm. of the country, right? A certain kind of working man, but that's a that's not here or there. But um, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. That's, you know, kind of, I, I think it resonated with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, just the redemption of Johnny Cash to, to be like, I can change. This doesn't have to define me. Um, and just the prisoners not, you know, taking it either. And it just makes a beautiful moment. And then also shout out to Greystone Chapel on that record, mm-hmm. a song written by inmate Glenn Shirley. Um, and Johnny Cash learned it the night before and played it and uh he didn't know he was gonna play it um glenn Shirley is not a great dude but that song is uh profound and um johnny cash plays it with you know all the humility that you could ever ask for um like he 
like he usually does. So mm. I that one for me is a, a big standout for the album. So yeah, great record. And uh, at San Quentin, I like that record, but there was video cameras there, so a bit more stage. Um, but for me, it's also great because it's still entertaining a bunch of prisoners and singing a bunch of rambunctious songs about how much prison sucks. So <laughs> yeah, that that's where it's at for me. Yeah, I was as you were talking, Luke. Right, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at Johnny Cash's discography. You want to know how many albums I There's counted? Like Fifty-five. Forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> I counted. I counted sixty-seven yeah. albums. Yeah, this. Quite- well, he did have like 67. he did have like a fifty-year career. Right, like literally, like yeah, a forty-nine-year career or something. Right. Yeah. So around yeah, that's crazy. Around this time, another interesting fact: I think the hero's is Johnny Cash Christmas. Yeah, and the Christmas spirit. <laughs> Dude, he has a couple of I Christmas know. albums, not <laughs> just one. I, I know. I just want to blow you guys' mind for a minute. Let me blow your mind. I think the year is 1969. Uh, Johnny Cash sold more records than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. Mm-hmm. So take that one to the bank. That is a crazy yeah. fact. Yeah, because that was both prison records mm-hmm. and the Christmas record, I think, came out that year. Right. So after that happens, Johnny Cash gets the Johnny or Cash. No, the Holy Land. That's what it's called. Yeah, the Holy Land. Yeah. It's all gospel stuff. Uh I love that. Johnny album. Cash gets his own TV show, The Johnny Cash Show. Uh, where he... don't gloss, don't gloss over it. Some of the best stuff ever on YouTube. It, that's why, really though, for real. Um, I want to talk about the only videoed performance of Derek and the Dominoes because of Johnny Cash. Um, yep. Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan uh, on the Johnny Cash Show. Uh, Credence Clearwater on the Johnny Cash Show. And Do you have Bing Crosby on there? Bing Crosby, <laughs> uh, Louis Armstrong. Yeah. Um, I don't want to front. Johnny Cash had some of the best performers of the time period on his TV show and championed other artists from other genres. Uh, so take it. Two seasons, man. Like 60 episodes variety show. Yeah. And it's just the artist that he showcased on, on there is just like, mm, it's such a great move. Um, he was such a, like, uh, he was a champion of other people. Uh, and not for nothing, but he kept Carl Perkins pretty much working his entire rest of his career. Um, and always invited him to play on his shows, on his albums, um, and on that TV show. So, I, I used to watch clips of that. Like my grandmother uh, is a huge, uh, was a huge Johnny Cash fan, and I used to listen to her to his music over at her house all the time. And we'd watch clips of that, like on old VHS tapes. And I thought Johnny Cash was like fifty five or sixty years old. He was like forty, but like that's how people <laughs> looked back then, just like all grizzled and like the alcohol soaked through your skin. Yeah, like, like I thought he was an old man, and he was like he was like seven years older than I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that, I love that you said that too, because like one, how hard not literally that he was like you know hard looking which was you know he definitely was but that your grandmother used to listen to it because that's kind of how i got it in my family too like my dad listened to johnny cash but my dad didn't just find johnny cash my dad's grandma listened to johnny cash and that was the story that my dad told me i used to sit at my grandma's knee we used to listen to johnny cash together um so like that is like a a cool story you know what i mean even that like she had like the vhs tapes man like that's rad that's like sharing you know what i mean it's so much yeah, so much like, in that. Like Elvis is kind of like our generation's grandmother's. Like you know, that's their guy. But 
like my grandmother was like a motorcycle riding lady so like johnny cash was definitely more she wanted the edgier yeah Yeah. uh you know some of our families are you know like you know my dad identified with johnny cash all day long my dad worked in a prison and that was his dude he was also singing for my pops and then like you know it's a great like you could like it's almost like sharing like an american like i said he was like paul bunyan it's almost like you get to share like an American folk story with somebody and there's also music with it. I don't know. That's how I kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, I think his, I think he has earned his, his place in like the great American songbook. Absolutely. You know what I mean? He's, he has his own chapter, you know, and, and that, cause I don't think, I mean, really who sounds like Johnny Cash? Nobody sounds like Johnny Cash. And I don't think, I don't think really anybody sounded like Johnny Cash before Johnny Cash either. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean? Obviously, he pulls, of course. Of he, course. Pulls some, but... he pulls some everything. I think Johnny Cash sounds like everything. That's. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I think mm. he sounds... Okay, I think there you he go. is like a Lens. weaver. Yeah, it's of every kind of like American music. This is like gospel, blues, country, rockabilly, rock and roll, folk. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's all the... I should say it's all of the white American music forms. Yeah. All blended together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Americana, like, you know, Appalachian type stuff. Yeah. Like yep. it's, it's almost, there's like, it's so many genres of music that come out of you know, Cash. <laughs> I had a thought today. Cause I was thinking about, you know, like it's 2021 and we, a lot of times you have to like, uh, qualify things by talking about the racial, uh, impact and all that. Mm-hmm. So let's be real. Like Johnny Cash, I don't know his background. I don't know how he treated people, but he generally like performed with other white artists and for white audiences majority of the time. Um, But like Johnny Cash in a way I was thinking was like the 1960s version of like gangster rap, (laughs) like culturally, because he was like playing like very kind of brutally honest and dark underbelly of American songs to a wide audience that like, was all about like clapping hands on one and three and singing about like you know, my sunshine and he's like oh, yeah I'm gonna kill your woman <laughs> yeah and it just like and now you listen to country and think of country artists now or or i should say think of country artists from the early 70s on a big part of country music is that outlaw style of songwriting and the outlaw perspective and the narrator who who's a twisted sick son of a bitch and all that stuff and johnny cash was like he was the first one who became big doing that stuff Mm. i mean like if you really think about think about a song like cocaine right where he's literally like the lyrics early one morning while making the rounds i took a shot of cocaine and i shot my woman down i mean that's the first two lines of a song the crazy the crazier thing is too on top of the outlaw thing is a lot of Americans, I think, were living like Jeff said, almost like we call it hustling nowadays, right? But poor people were hustling back in the day, too. Um, Cocaine Blues is actually a folk song that comes from uh, the Delta. Um, Mm -hmm. It's known as uh, Cocaine Blues, uh, Take a Whiff on Me um, is another version of it. Mm. But um, that song is goes back to almost the roots of folk music in America. So at that, he's almost speaking to, like, the people who have always been on that outside, right? It too. So, like, as we can't, it might be hard to see now, like, Jeff was trying to fit him in, like, with a, a today's, like, gangster rap. That's, like, I feel like that's perfect because he was singing to people who are on the outside anyway. It's, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, this is what I'm doing on the outside. 
you know. And he sang songs of redemption too, of like knowing how much of a bad guy he is and wanting to be a better person, like Jesus, forgive me and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and beautiful heartfelt love songs. Like, yeah, he's, he's writing songs about like killing his wife, but also on the B side of that single, it'll be like, you took my heart. I love you so much. (laughs) It's a lot to me. It looks like, like a lot like America. That's what I like. Yeah. I think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the man in black, man. It's not always a good day, but you know, here we are kind of thing. Yeah. It's all, all shades of it. Um, yeah. So we're kind of left off. Johnny Cash really doesn't do anything for the, you know, rest of the seventies and eighties, except do a lot of drugs, be in the highway men and then do more drugs. And he's like a greatest hits artist. <laughs> he's like playing for big, Nashville crowds, but yeah, he's playing the hits. Right. Um, so around the time, let's talk uh, about some rap music. Uh, Rick Rubin, uh, Run DMC, BC Boys, LL Cool J, uh, mid-80s hip-hop. He, at the turn of the 90s, um, begins to get curious about what can I, kind of producing uh, dream producer's dream. And he's kind of the first guy to do this, being like, I'm young. I want to take an artist I think is, is cool and I want to make them relevant again. Um, and that he just thinks of Johnny Cash um, and they meld almost instantly. They get together um, and they really revitalize Johnny Cash's career, um, set in place his outlaw image, um, make him the fire and brimstone dude. They like cement all these like myths about him into the ground um, in a series of records called the uh, American Recordings. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many volumes are at this point because he recorded literally up till like almost the second he died. Uh, he was recording music. Um, yeah, he did four in his lifetime and then two came out posthumously. Right. Um, the one right before he died, uh, I think it's called the Ma- When the Man Comes Around. Uh, yeah, that's the fourth. Yep. Yeah. Um, that one, I mean, all these records are great, but that one is literally the sound of a man, uh, you know, leaving this earth. Um, it's yeah, like a, a year, I think a year before he died. Such a profound goddamn record. That record is hard to listen to. It is hard. Your own personal Jesus. Yeah, and at this time too, so he is covering artists of every genre. Nothing is off the table. Um, musicians involved in these albums are Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, Flea. Um, he gets like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's tons of uh, awesome musicians on this album, uh, on these albums that come in and play. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I mean, at the time, people probably took these more albums. I kind of took them as like a whole collection that I kind of listened to. Um, he re-recorded songs he had done when he was uh, young. Um, for me, great ones are uh, Mean-Eyed Cat, um he also yeah just redoes a version of country boy that's on his first son lp um and as an old man in the 90s like singing about being a country boy when you're not a boy anymore like all these things it just turns the page on them he re-records a lot of that music and um sets it in a new shade of like what it can look like uh later in life um and also so like the covers he does during this time period um you guys want to shout one out I love the personal Jesus cover. Personal Jesus cover. The Dep- Depeche Mode. Amazing. The piano on that. Down, yeah. down, 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 down. Oh, the piano sound on that record is kicking. Yeah. Um, 
I will say I I really love the American the first like American yeah. recordings where it's him and like he's ve- he he's like wearing like this long coat mm-hmm. very standing there very like ominously with like the two dogs on either side of him like and it just says cash in big letters. Um, yeah, I think almost for all the American recordings with Rick Rubin, it's like ninety five percent covers. Like maybe there'll be one to three tracks on each of those albums that was a Johnny Cash mm-hmm. song, but the vast majority of them were covers. I would also like to just say too that I know I, I know that there was a very funny video that was going around of um uh what's his name? The mayor of Flavortown there. Uh, <laughs> Guy Fieri. Um, Guy Fieri eating to the to the sound of <laughs> Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. But, like, for real, man, like, the first time you actually yeah. hear Johnny Cash sing that song, there's, like, such a sincerity in his voice, I think. And it it just, like, I don't know, I think that's a, of the covers, I think, you know, obviously that's one of the most popular ones. But even for me, like, it's, I, I don't know, I just, I love that song. I think that song is, especially by Johnny Cash, has done so uh, well. Dumb, the music video, too, uh, is shot in the Johnny, Ca- uh, Johnny Cash Museum that had been, um, like, left. I think it was on Johnny Cash's property, but um, it hadn't been open in a couple of years. And that's where that music video was filmed. Um, so he's also surrounded mm. by a bunch of Johnny Cash uh, memorabilia. And he died very soon, I think, after that video was shot, which is also pretty crazy. Um, and it yeah. just adds a lot of weight to it. Uh, that song written by uh, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about taking a song and just like, poof. Like, I don't know how you heard it in it. Like, like I don't know. Whoever heard it, and, and I mean, it must have been probably Rick Rubin, but just, just I don't know. For someone of that age to sing that song, um, I mean, like I say this all, all the time in the show, but old people having something to say, and that's, that song is... Man, it's it's probably the yep. crowning achievement of that at, to the at, to this point. Yeah, in recorded music. But I mean, he also not for nothing too. I mean, he does in my life. Yeah, the, you know what I mean. He does bridge over troubled mm-hmm. water. He does big iron. Marty Robbins, Rusty like, Cage by Soundgarden. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He does some Leonard like Cohen that, songs. Uh, Thirteen yeah. by Danzig, like like that kind of stuff. <laughs> That, that I like of, the yeah. I, I like the last track on American Recordings Four, which was the last album that was record that was released in his lifetime. And the last track on it is the Vera Lynn song "We'll Meet Again," which is that big like it was very popular in World War Two, and it's a song that's so appropriate because he died a year later, and the song is all about how we'll meet again someday soon. And it's sung with like his entire extended family. It's like you can hear like fifteen people singing the choruses. It- so that's just like it's it's kind of heartbreaking because you hear it and you're like, what a cool moment though for like a whole family to get around the microphone and just sing with their grandfather, who like died you know less than a year later. It's 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 yeah it's it's almost like so tender and touch. It's like hard to mm-hmm. for me that record's hard to listen to now. Yeah, it's I it, yeah. it was the. It was the only Johnny Cash album I bought on CD. Was oh. American Four. Great, and I mean that one too. Yeah. The biblical opening of "When the Man Comes Around." Oh yeah. Oh my <laughs> God, man! Like, just talk about like he's like I don't know he's saying it, and you're like you're like yeah. I'm like I'll mm. buy it. I'll buy it, man. Uh, 
I love it too. I think he does Desperado on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I love it so much. Um, yeah, the early the early American recordings are really good too. I'm just yeah, I'm just super familiar with the fourth one, especially because it was the last thing released in his lifetime that I like. Hate that album up. Yeah, uh, the earlier ones too, like have a aren't as I mean like aren't as I would say hard to listen to. There, there's some like raucous fun moments on the earlier ones, uh, especially another shadow song. I've been everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, uh, Winslow, Toronto. I don't know, but it's a great song. Uh, lists all mm-hmm. the major <laughs> cities. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you've never heard it, look it up. Um, it's one of my like life goals is to remember all the cities in order. As you can see, I don't have I don't have very many <laughs> of them. Um, but yeah, that used to be a thing at um like Boy Scout camp too. There was a there was a song at one point that went with the Boy Scout camp that I went with that was to the tune of that song where they renamed all the parts mm-hmm. of the Boy Scout camp. I mean Johnny Cash music. It's it's like you say, Boy Scouts. It's great camping music because his style of songwriting was like take an acoustic guitar and strum like first position cowboy chords that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. He didn't do bar chords. He didn't do jazz chords. He didn't do anything that was outside of like the first nine chords you learn when you're a guitarist. Absolutely. Yeah. But he didn't have to no. though. You know what I mean? Cause I think his, just, you know, his, his voice, everything, like everything about him. And that's what, I, that's what I love about him too. Is like, I find Johnny Cash to be kind of like the complete package. You know what I mean? He's got the rebellious, He's got the unique voice. He's got the the ability to write like really good lyrics, you know. So he's a good songwriter. I mean, the persona, everything. I mean, I think it's all just so complete and well done, you know. Whether he meant to or not, you know. Mm. I mean, uh, he, he, I mean, there's the whole idea that he wore black because it was like he was going to a funeral. But then, really, like he says it himself. He's like, yeah, just like high, it hides sweat stains. It's easier. <laughs> yeah. It's easier to clean than a white shirt. You know what five, I mean? So that goes to show you like, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that goes to show you though, like that's how funny it can be where it's like Johnny Cash himself tells you like, yeah, it's that, but like there's this mystique of he's the man in black. It's just like, no, I just didn't want to buy bleach. Like that's really, you know what I mean? Like you didn't want to keep having a white, uh, to wash white shirts all the time, you know, but. Yeah. Is, is, yeah, is he just, a Mount Rushmore? solo artist i think i mean i would think so or or let's say i mean let's just like early amer like early yeah. american white songwriter pre-70s i think he stands for the carter family i think he's the crowning achievement of the carter family which would probably be one of the pillars of music in america mm. um for that i mean it is you know it's it's a certain yeah, because it's all country music and all folk music is born pretty much right out of the Carter family in that you know that kind of time period, and I feel like he stands for all of that. So for me, I think he he definitely is a pillar, um, if it's representing that because he I feel like he comes from that family and you know is is the lineage. Yeah, and if we're gonna talk about Carter family, let's not forget married to June Carter Cash for thirty five years from sixty eight until her death, she died. I think in May of 2003 and then he died like four months later in September or August. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, kind of that love story where that was his heart and he just couldn't live without her. Which is pretty crazy. Mm. Yeah. He like died. He wasn't that old. They they were, she was a couple years older than him. I think she was 74, 75 and he was like 72, 73. Yeah. Mm. 
I definitely think he like even to like Mike said like even I feel like he just because he owned who he was all the time even if he had to wear the black shirt all the time he came up with something for it so he he said like ended up being like you know it may have been at first like yeah it's just a black shirt but because he was doing it he owned it I think he owned everything he was in uh like even like his bad times and he would like represent it you know what I mean because even the black shirt he'd represent as no you know what I'm wearing this for the poor I'm wearing this for the disenfranchised. I'm wearing right, you know like I mean? so. Yeah. At the same time, like, but he could own up to it and laugh about it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a a, a great aspect of him. And you know, I I would pillar him. I'd pillar yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, I at least in well. my book, for my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cash, guys. Dom 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 dom. Johnny Cash. Dom 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 dom. Yes. Well, there we are with Johnny Cash. Do you guys feel good about uh, about about? Did you want to add anything else, or do you think we've kind of? Yeah, listen to the stuff, man. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. good to talk about him. It's good to read about him. But listen to the Johnny Cash, especially check out compilation. That's all the Sun singles. Get listen to the Legacy edition of Live at Folsom Prison. Listen to the Legacy edition of Live at San San Quentin. Listen to the first album, which is the Hot and Blue Guitar, which is basically it's a half Sun singles and half other stuff that he did at Sun. Listen to the early '60s stuff. Listen, listen to the Christmas album uh, or two. Rick Rubin. Listen to the American yeah. recordings. Uh, can I? I got one song shout out. Uh, yeah. Sunday morning sidewalk. Um, it's one of my favorite Johnny Cash songs. The choruses on a Sunday morning sidewalk. I wish to God that I was stoned because there's something in a Sunday that makes you feel alone. Um, and he got Chris Christopherson <clears throat> to sing that on the Johnny Cash show. Um, oh. and that is, uh, Chris Christopherson's song that Johnny Cash probably mm-hmm. made most famous. And it's, a uh, it's a great song and a profound song and one of, you know, later period that I think is of high regard. So check that one out. Yeah. And check out the clips on YouTube of the Johnny Cash show or any of his shows at, you know, Grand Ole Opry and venues like that, because, he was a great live performer. He really connected with the audience and his audiences loved him. Absolutely. Man of the people. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, if I had any suggestions, I would just say, yeah, like, like we said, the, the, obviously the sun stuff. And then for me, most of my go-tos are really like the earlier Columbia stuff, yeah. like songs of our soil. And then, like, obviously, I walked the line. And then even the later, even the later stuff, like, into the early 70s, like, Hello, I'm Johnny Cashman and Black, mm-hmm. A Thing Called Love, like, those albums, like, yeah, all that stuff. And check out uh, Johnny Cash in the Holy Land, because that one's just fun. Three. Yeah. I just like three that deep, one. Three deep. Yeah, it's got that, yeah, that, like, holographic cover to it. I have a copy of that on vinyl, and it's, like, yeah, it's cool. That was one, that was one that I did spin before my before uh, my son uh, broke my turntable. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that sucks. I have all this Johnny Cash on vinyl, and, like, both of my turntables are out of commission. And I just was like, I, this is the one time where I can... Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, Luke, if you remember, but, like, my parents bought this house, and, like, in the shed, there was this huge collection of, like, this Columbia Records, like they were all shaped like books. It's like, you know, something that you mailed and you got, it was like the encyclopedia of American music, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was so much Johnny Cash in there because Johnny Cash released so many albums on Columbia uh, and they were all in there. And I have all this Johnny Cash and it was like, 
I could have spun it and then I couldn't spin it because I think I got a record player you can borrow. Do you? Yeah, the Technics that you um, let me borrow. You can borrow it back. <laughs> the Technics that I let you borrow. Yeah, the Technics. It's uh, silver. Oh, it might be the Newmark. Newmark, that's what it is. You're right. You're right. Oh, the Newmark, yeah. the Newmark. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about the Newmark earlier, Luke and I. I'll bring it I over. I was thinking about I'll drop it by tomorrow. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so you have it. The man in black. Johnny Cash. Uh, Johnny check Cash. Check it out. Cash, baby. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Check out the yeah. Carter family too. So uh, get that in there. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick. Uh, what have you guys been listening to lately? Have you guys been listening to anything interesting lately? I know Luke, you've been going crazy with the uh, uh with the record listening, the actual spinning of albums. I have been cataloging every physical release I've sat down to listen to this year, and I am at eighty six. Spins since January eighth. So since January eighth, I've listened to eighty six full records. Oh my god! What? Not <laughs> even possible on a physical format, guys. I'm going this year. My goal was to literally listen to music. So I feel like I'm doing a really good job. I'm at eighty six. <laughs> I would say so already. <laughs> this, this morning at six thirty, I started off with Bill Evans live at the Village Vanguard. Oh, from eight thirty. I moved on to Duke Ellington's Daybreak Express. A, oh, classic. Oh, yeah. Some uh, early 1930s to 1935 uh, sides. Uh, I listened to Blow by Blow, Jeff, this morning. I finally listened oh. to Blow by Blow. Oh, you had never listened to it before? No, it's so good. Dude, it's so <laughs> I told you. I told you. It's really good. It's a really good record. Um, jazz instrumental jazz fusion yeah if you like early jeff beck or eddie jeff beck and then you're like ah, i don't know about listening to just instrumental fusiony stuff blow by blow like jeff has been telling me for years this record's on fire he's not a liar it's- for real man that's been in my top 20 since i was 15 years old bass the bass sound on this record I know. oh my god i know Eat your heart max out. middleton on keys like the panning stereo like uh, roads and stuff and then the drum sound of this record is a, a blew my mind great record um, you know who reco- you know who produced that album? Ooh. Mr. Fifth Beatle himself. Oh, oh, I did know that. I read that today. George Martin. Mm-hmm. My man. That's why it sounds so crispy. Um, yeah. From there, I listened to Beckola. Uh, I listened to this band Knoxville Girls, which was um, mm. so of uh, I think they were in some uh, famous bands before that. It was a record I bought on Discogs. It was really good. They did a cover of uh, Sophisticated Boom Boom by the uh, Shangri-Las, which was unexpected, but great. Um, then I listened to The Nice, uh, Thoughts of Emerson, Dave Jack, The New York Dolls, and The Heartbreakers record, and then The Heartbreakers live at Max's Kansas City. That is what I listened <laughs> That's to a day, today. <laughs> That's like nine albums. <laughs> yeah, I listened to... Nice. Yeah, like nine albums. It was pretty good, man. Uh, yeah. Heartbreakers album was uh, a great afternoon spin. Which Heartbreakers album? Uh, not the Tom Petty one. The uh, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Oh, okay. Uh, L-A-M-F. Check that. Oh, gotcha. Johnny Heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that record out if you haven't. It's a great uh, rock and roll record. It's just thrashy rock and roll. It's like it, it, uh, it listens like a pack of cigarettes you just smoked. Nice. All so right. That's what I listened nice. to today. What do you guys Cool. Got? Jeffrey? Um, I've been listening to... Beyonce. Uh, she was featured on my most recent mini-sode on What Do You Love About Music, my other podcast. She was one of my disc picks this past week. 
her album the lion king the gift is really good it's from like 2019 and i listened to the deluxe version that came out last year it is great and i listened to beyonce's self-titled album i think that's her fourth album which is my favorite beyonce album uh that's the one that has pretty hurts and you know a, a million bangers on it that's like full-time adult beyonce in my opinion that's like where she hit a new level uh i've been listening to since mike brought him up yesterday or the day before a lot of music featuring the bass player mono neon yeah so i've been listening to mono's uh solo stuff which is like warbly lo-fi <laughs> microtunal funky oh, funk so soul weird. music so check out yeah. mono neon he's a great instagram follow he is uh disgusting on bass guitar he also plays regular guitar and he sings and he produces his own stuff and he also wears uh he wears ski masks and full crochet neon crocheted outfits (laughs) (laughs) and he's like a living art project and he's like the best bass player who is like currently out there who's like 30 ish years old and he he's a lefty he's a lefty and he plays upside down so it's like a completely different style and he plays like very rooted in the like late 60s early 70s r&b style where it's just very simple and understated but then he mixes in all this crazy like runs and he does these like wobbly like like slides and stuff um yeah it's and so he good plays in this band called ghost note which is kind of like a james brown ish funk band that features some guys from the other band snarky puppy uh, Nate Worth and Sput Seawright. So I've been listening to Ghost Notes, uh, second album, Swagism. I've been listening to other Snarky Puppy offshoots. Uh, Fork, F-O-R-Q, which is a four-piece instrumental group, which uh, is great. And especially their fourth album. Uh, it's, you know, so Fork, Beyonce, Mono Neon, Ghost Note. That's what I've been listening to the past couple of days. Jeff, did you... Did you nice. find this artist off of Instagram? Uh, Mono Neon. I think so. I, 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 I like got familiar with him. I would say maybe closer to three years ago, I would think. Uh, he was coming across my like search feed or whatever you call that page a lot because he does a lot of one minute videos where he plays bass along <laughs> along to like reality tv or like news clips and, and stuff which just like blows my mind because okay it's like to put someone's speaking voice and rhythm to a pitch and play it exactly perfectly is like some of the craziest stuff to me um, i love those um, videos i thought it's so like in your my head i was like oh i wonder if like this is like one of those virtuoso we guys on uh instagram and then like yeah i was like thought of those videos but i didn't say it and then you were like yeah those videos and i'm like oh i've probably seen this guy um, yeah check yeah. check out his page mono neon i love uh, it's great i don't know if he does this one but it was from a long time ago he does the oh someone does the grape soda lady uh she was like i was getting me some great pop like that one i'm sure if it was oh, viral yeah. he probably did yeah, the, at some point. there was a fire i love it i like when he does yeah. where it's a it's a video of a like a French bulldog that's howling in a car named Walter, and he's like, arr, 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 and Monia's play bass lines with the dog singing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I and I I I especially like his playing in Ghost Note, which is like bass, drums, 
percussion, keyboards, guitar, and then two or three sax and woodwinds players. Um, because it lets him be like more understated and like take his moments when there's gaps, but he really just like plays Bootsy Collins style, like in the, in the pocket of everything. And, uh, the other one I listened to off of the mono neon, like tree is a group that he plays with this duo, which is JD Beck and Domi. JD Beck is like, I think he's like 18 years old and he's one of those like Jay Dilla, uh hip-hop uh influenced drummers who does a lot of these like skitter crazy beats where he's doing like so many like 30 second notes and quintuplets and stuff that i i don't even know like how your hands and how you play like that um and then domi is this girl from i think she's from russia or somewhere in the former ussr and she plays like wicked fast bebop piano and synth where it's just like I don't. Even, I look at her hands playing, and I'm just like, I don't. How do you even practice? Like, how do you get to the point where you can play like? I, like they, I they they play this version of my favorite things, the song from Sound of Music that like John Coltrane's version is very big, and they play the kind of the John Coltrane version, but like 40 BPMs faster. It's, it's just nuts. I don't even understand it. So mono plays with them when they do a lot of trio stuff. You either have that or you don't. I think it's that. Yeah. I think in your brain, either it's like uh, astrophysicist. You either understand it or you just don't. Yeah, like I can, I can, uh, I can accept it. Like I can, I can process it coming in. I would never be able to have it coming out. Me either. <laughs> like, I don't even get. I don't even get yeah. how I can do it. I can accept it as well, but for me, I'm just like way more of like a guttural, like humany person. I can't do that. No way. Yeah. I just my body's like uh. Uh-uh. Four on the floor. Yeah. Four beats. Four on yeah, and, the floor. Yeah, and Mike was ta- Mike's been talking about getting a bass, so like I had to go to Fork too, which is that other snarky puppy offshoot. And Fork is just like um a four piece instrumental, especially the bass player, the new bass player uh plays P bass and it's just like dirty and just like so essential. It's so great. What you got there? Yeah, I've been going I've been going hard on the on the bass stuff as well so i i tried out bootsy's uh bootsy's newest album called the power of the one yeah he's like oh yeah yeah exactly and it's cool he does some he i mean like he's got like snoop dogg on one track he's got quite a few he actually has he has quite a few he's got like george benson on one on one oh, song cool. um yeah snoop dogg Lion. uh <laughs> have some respect snoop animal victor wooten uh, Larry Graham, uh, you know, so it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's a fun, it's a fun yeah. album. I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's this like, you know, life altering thing, but it's, it's great, man. It's, it's so fun. And it's the whole, like the power of the one and all that stuff. So, um, you know, you know, <laughs> I've been going, I've been, but speaking of Bootsy also, I've been going hard on like the early seventies, James Brown. Oh Yeah. I've just, it's just, it's so good, man. Like, um, especially. You check out that compilation. I think it's called Soul Power 1970. It's all the recordings that they did for that, for that nine months with Bootsy and Catfish Collins in the band. Oh, I did not know that. And it's, check it out. It's like, it's all mono mixes and stuff. Yeah. It's all extended versions. Jeff's, uh, Jeff's right on there. Uh, and also, it also, I think has, um, the album Sex Machine, the fake live album. Uh, it has that, um, 
I think it has those with uh, the fake crowd noise piped off of it. So I think that's pretty oh, okay, dope. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's also a reason to check that comp out as well. Yeah. Um, I also finally came around and listened to some Steely Dan. Yes. Um, can't buy a thrill was the because I wanted to start at the beginning, you know. So I went for can't buy a thrill. I I didn't realize you didn't realize you knew every song all, in that record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real though. Like I'm listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, that is Steely Dan. Oh fuck yeah, that is Steely Dan. What a great <laughs> album. I mean, the whole thing plays front to back so Dude, good. What a great album. And let I'm gonna be honest, it's probably their worst album. Yeah, that's the joke, right? Ah. Is yeah, because listen, like it's the poppiest, but I think it's like it might be like I, I even... guess their worst album. Yeah, it's literally. I don't know. The second album might be a little. I don't know. Because listen, I'll I'll say this: that was the only... A plus versus an A A <laughs> in my book. That that was the first Steely Dan record I had listened to, and then I didn't listen to any other Steely Dan record for like years, and I thought that mm. was Steely Dan. And then when I put on Asia, uh, I was like, oh. That's their worst record. <laughs> and then listen to other stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's clearly not as good. Okay. Well, but it's great. I'm, it's easy, I'm great. just, listen, I'm just, I'm just yeah. easing in. So I started there. I, I downloaded my first Steely Dan album. I will work, uh, I listened to, I did touch on a little bit of Asia, but I didn't really get into, into Asia yet. Um, what I did get into, into was uh, What's Going On, Marvin Gaye. Oh, like, I, yeah. I started that album, and it's like, I mean, I've listened to the album before, you know, but like it's just something that I just kind of put back into like my regular rotation, um, as well as in the midnight hour, Wilson Pickett. Mm. Like I've just been really what I'm trying to do, man, is I'm really trying to hone in on just listening to all these bass players from these great session bands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether you know whether it's like the Funk Brother, like uh, like James Jamerson, or uh, what's her name, Carol Kay from the Wrecking Crew, yeah. like. All these bass players, man, I'm just trying to, like, get an ear out for them and listen to them. Because, like, really, I mean, you talk to a lot of bass players, dude, especially a guy like James Jamerson. That's, like, the foundation. He's, like, the guy. He is the bass player by which, like, all other bass players shall be judged. You know what I mean? Like, to a certain extent, obviously. Like, but, but yeah, so I've been digging that. I also downloaded the uh, Thundercat album Drunk. Oh, yeah. Which... It's interesting. I feel yeah, drunk it's, when it's, I yeah, it's 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 kind of a far out album, but I um, I dig it. It's it, you know it's a, it's there's a little bit of a challenge there in terms of the palette wise, but I, I enjoyed it. And then of course, like Jeff said, listening to Mono Neon's latest release, Banana Peel on Capitol Hill. Yes. Um, I was I listened to that album front to back, and I was like, "What the fuck did I just listen to?" <laughs> But it was in like a delightful way, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a far out album. I really, um, I really like it. I love the just the just the first uh, the first track. Uh, Spider Man was on crack one day. I'm like it just kicks into that. You're yeah, like, it's what very the fuck it's is very Parliament right Funkadelic. It's like Parliament Funkadelic, but it also has like kind of this modern sort of kind of feel to mm. it too, because there's like some hip hop yeah. elements there. There's kind of like. There's kind of like some like sort of this Tyler of the Creator darkness yeah. to it with some, you know what I mean? It's like there's so much going on that I, I, I'm enjoying listening to it just because there's like you, you kind of go back and you go over and over and over and you're like picking up on like weird nuances and stuff. And I just really liked it. And again, just as a bass player, just a great bass player. So yeah. 
you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's pretty much been it for me this past yeah, week. Guys. Dude, it's been like three weeks um, since I listened to Steely Dan. I gotta get back into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, did I just did I just reignite your fire? You did. There? I, I was doing about three hours a week. I gotta get back into it. Oh my god! Uh, you uh, you laugh, Mike. It's you'll you'll get obsessed for a little bit. It is it's the best music you don't know you're missing out on. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I started Asia and I liked what I heard. I just I ended up getting sidetracked yeah. and then I just didn't, you know, you know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, well, good episode, guys. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice. I miss you guys. Um, Jeffrey was a guest on my latest podcast. You can check that out. Um, called What Works for You. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the pause there. I got I got sidetracked here. I'm trying to I'm trying to set I'm, I'm trying to set up another Zoom call here, guys, because it closed out on us mid podcast. Uh, 40, forty minutes um, or something. Is that what the time limit is? Yeah, it's forty minutes. Yeah, so I was trying. I'm getting sidetracked. I'm sorry, fellas, but. Yeah, no, uh, what works for you? It was a fun podcast, man. We had a good time, I think. I thought I thought we had some fun. Yep. So uh, Jeff was uh, my first guest. Now it's out officially on Spotify and a couple other uh, podcast uh, like streaming services and stuff. But the main ones, Spotify and Apple, I'm still waiting on Apple approval. But I do, uh, I am on on Spotify officially. So you can actually uh, just check that out. On Spotify, and then I'm going to record another episode with Mr. Luke, and he will be guest number two. Nice. So, cool should means. be fun. Cool, and check out check out uh, my podcast, uh, What Do You Love About Music? My guest this past week was my sister, Laura, and I have an episode with Mike as a guest. I have an episode with Luke as a guest, and we talk about music and the role it plays in my guest life from their earliest memories all the way through like what their hopes for future and et cetera, et cetera in music. Uh, this week's guest will be the bass player in my band, the Peerless Poppers, Roy Hool. The Hooligan. The Hooligan. Shout out to Roy. Uh, if you want a throwback, uh, get in the garage episode. Oh uh, yes. Roy was our, Roy was our guest on our Bob yeah. Marley special. <laughs> Steer it up guys. So. Steer it <laughs> yes. up. Yep. So good. Snoop Lion. <laughs> oh, I love uh, God bless Bunny Whaler. <laughs> God bless Bunny Whaler. This has been a podcast about Johnny Cash. And we God, God bless, bless Bunny Whaler. God bless <laughs> Johnny Cash. God bless Johnny Cash. God bless yeah. Johnny Cash. God bless you guys. Um yeah, we're looking forward to next month. Next month is gonna be fun. We're gonna chart it out for Black History Month and uh, I'm really excited, man. I think yeah. we're gonna cover some Really, really great music. I'm really looking forward to it. So definitely, um, we look forward to that in February. Follow us. Get in the garage podcast at gmail.com is our email. If you want to send us an email, say hello, have any suggestions or requests or anything like that. Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can find us there. I'm on Instagram as the Bearded Morrison, Luke Julius underscore Records, and Jeff. You changed your name yep. right now. Mine's to... at WDYLA Music, which is the acronym for my new podcast. What do you love about music? Yes. So also, if you follow Jeff, win-win. Not only do you follow Jeff, the man, but you also follow his podcast right. as well. So go give him some likes, peoples. Um, we'll see you next time. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, 
and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.